0: of Worship, your source for commentary and discussion on worship, theology, and culture. I'm your host, Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones. Hello and welcome to the Active Worship podcast. Thank you for being with me again today, and we have made it into the 80s. We are here in Psalm 80, another psalm of Asaph. Um, the title is, To the Choirmaster, According to Lilies. I mean, we, we have uh, had that title before. Um, that would have been the musical tune or instruction for the congregation. And it says, A Testimony of Asaph, a psalm. <clears throat> this is uh, in our English versions, many... Uh, might title it, Restore Us, O God, sort of a continuation of Psalm 79, where the psalmist is lamenting and asking for God's uh, restoration. And so this is a prayer to God asking him to restore the nation of Israel. Let's uh, take a look at it. I'm going to read all 19 verses of Psalm 80. Give ear, O shepherd of Israel, you who lead Joseph like a flock, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim, shine forth. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh, stir up your might and come to save us. Restore us, O God, let your face shine that we may be saved. O Lord God of hosts, how long will you be angry with your people's prayers? You have fed them with the bread of tears and given them tears to drink in full measure. You make us an object of contention for our neighbors, and our enemies laugh among themselves. Restore us, O God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out the nations and planted it. You cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. The mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. It sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. Why then have you broken down its walls, so that all who pass along the way pluck its fruit? The boar from the forest ravages it, and all that move in the field feed on it. Turn again, O God of hosts, look down from heaven and see, have regard for this vine, the stock that your right hand planted, and for the son whom you made strong for yourself. They have burned it with fire, they have cut it down, may they perish at the rebuke of your face, but let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself." Then we shall not turn back from you. Give us life, and we will call upon your name. Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine that we may be saved. So there's a lot going on here. Um, And I'm just going to break down this entire psalm uh, verse by verse. We'll look at a few verses at a time. Um, Verse 1, the first thing that stands out to me is the use of the term shepherd. And we've seen this Many times in the book of Psalms, uh, the most familiar, Psalm 23, the Lord is my shepherd. Verse 1, give ear, O shepherd of Israel. So God is Israel's shepherd, not just an individual shepherd, but the shepherd of his people, because he guides them and he provides for them. In the ancient Near East, the shepherd is not an unusual title for kings. And so the two go hand in hand. We often we often think of shepherds as this lowly position in which it, it was, it was a common man's position in Israel, <clears throat> nothing to be, um, of any sort of merit. Uh, the shepherd was a lowly position, a pauper's position even. Um, but often in a um. In a metaphorical sense, the king was often depicted as a shepherd, one who leads the people. And in the same manner here, God is the shepherd of Israel because he leads and guides them. And then he says, he goes on to speaking of God and gives him a different title. He says, you who are enthroned upon the cherubim shine forth. The first thing that stands out to me here is the use of the title. You who are enthroned on the cherubim. What a creative way to refer to God. And I wish sometimes in our corporate worship experiences or even in our corporate prayers, we would use the expanse of our language to refer to God. It doesn't have to just be Father God or dear God. That is, We can use the expanse of our language O oh, blessed Holy One, O oh, God of our fathers. I mean, there are many titles we can give to God to uh, relate to what we are praying. And the, and the um, psalmist here, speaking of God who leads and guides them, goes even further and he says, You are the one who, are, who is enthroned upon the cherubim. So the cherubim. Uh, above the Ark of the Covenant, in the most holy place of the temple, the wings of the cherubim were stretched out over God's throne. You see this in Exodus 25, 22. <clears throat> there I will meet with you, and from above the mercy seat, from between the two cherubim that are on the Ark of the Testimony, I will speak with you about all that I will give you in commandment for the people of of Israel, you also see in number seven eighty nine. It says, when Moses went into the tent of meeting to speak with the Lord, he heard the voice speaking to him from above the mercy seat that was on the ark of the testimony, from between the two cherubim, and it spoke to him. And so, uh, this reference to the cherubim not only is not is not just a broad reference. Like yes, God is seated um, on the cherubim. But it is very personal, and Israel could relate to it because they knew that the God that they worship was the same God that spoke to, to Moses in the Holy of Holies, in the Ark of the Covenant, the God that was seated on the cherubim. And then he says, uh, you, are who, you who are enthroned on the cherubim, shine forth. Note the illusion to the priestly benediction, the ironic benediction from number six. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace. The psalmist is calling upon God to reveal his gracious presence to them. <clears throat> and then we have some geographical references in verse two. Before Ephraim and Benjamin and Manasseh. Uh, the mention of these chief tribes of the northern kingdom, this probably indicates that the psalm was composed in the last days of that kingdom. Verse 5. You, had, you have fed them with the bread of tears. So their mourning is so continuous that it's like their daily food and drink. Verse 8. You brought a vine out of Egypt. You drove out nations and planted it. The vine. This is, Israel is the vine that God transplanted from slavery in Egypt to the fruitful soil of Palestine. Um, Israel, uh, Isaiah 5, I said Israel. Isaiah 5, 1 through 7. Let me read this for you. Let me sing for my beloved my song concerning his vineyard. My beloved had a vineyard on a very fertile hill. He dug it and cleared it of stones and planted it with choice vines. He built a watchtower in the midst of it. He hewed out a wine vat in it, and he looked for it to yield grapes, but it yielded wild grapes. And now, O inhabitants of Jerusalem and men of Judah, judge between me and my vineyard. What more was there to do for my vineyard that I have not done in it? are his pleasant planting. And he looked for justice, but behold, bloodshed for righteousness, but behold, an outcry. So, Israel is this vine, he says in in verse 10, um, sorry, verse 8, you brought out a vine out of Egypt, so Israel is the vine, and he says you drove out the nations and planted it. Now compare that with John 15, verses 1 and 2, where Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away, and every branch that does not bear fruit, he prunes that it may bear more fruit. So what is the purpose of God allowing this turmoil to happen in Israel? It is so that his will can be accomplished, so that more fruit can come of his his vine, Israel. Verse 10, the mountains were covered with its shade. So the lowly vine became so great through the blessing of God that the mountains and the giant cedars were covered in its shadow. Listen to this, Luke 13, 19. It is like a grain of mustard seed that a man took and sowed in his garden, and it grew and became a tree, and the birds of the air made nests in its branches. So he's talking about the vine, which is Israel, coming out of Egypt, and he says, You drove out the nations and planted it. And then in verse 9, you cleared the ground for it. It took deep root and filled the land. And then in verse 10, the mountains were covered with its shade, the mighty cedars with its branches. And then in verse 11, it says, it sent out its branches to the sea and its shoots to the river. So the language here is reminiscent of the promises made to, to Abraham. So the psalmist here is speaking of Uh, Israel as God's chosen people and what he has done to bless them. And then he questions in verse 12, why then have you broken down its walls? So the psalmist knows that no matter what human army actually defeated Israel, God is the one who allowed it. God seemed to be turning his back on the people that he created and on the people that he chose. And we obviously know the answer, it's because of their rebellion and their continuous rebellious hearts. And I've mentioned this before, that Israel seemed to repent. God restored them. And then at some point, they went back right back to what they were doing before. Led them right down the same path. You figure they would learn, but they didn't. Verse 17. But let your hand be on the man of your right hand, the son of man whom you have made strong for yourself. And, uh, This reference probably to Israel, uh, but I think it's also to the Davidic king and ultimately to the Messiah. Keep in mind, scripture is a meta narrative, and so this the text of the Old Testament um, is not disconnected from prophetic texts, even in the Psalms, um, because all of scripture revolves around the story of Jesus Christ. And so this is probably a reference not only to Israel, but also to the Davidic King and to the Messiah. And so then the psalmist ends in verse 19. He says, Restore us, O Lord God of hosts. Let your face shine. Again, reminiscent of the ironic benediction. He says, Let your face shine that we may be saved. So, uh, this psalm in Psalm 79 that we just covered, um, it's as if the people of Israel had reached their rope's end. They they had hit rock bottom and they had nowhere else to go. And sometimes that's the best place for us to be. It's when our pride is dismantled when we hit rock bottom. That's, that's what it takes for some of us. As I mentioned the DC Talks song, some people have to learn the hard way. Um, it's better if we don't have to learn that way, but some of us do. And Israel certainly had to learn that way. And so they are crying out here. The psalmist is crying out for God to restore Israel. And so I have once again set this in a minor key uh, as a plea to God for restoration. Uh, so here is Psalm 80 set to music. Thank you for listening today to the Active Worship Podcast. This is Dr. Jonathan Michael Jones.
1: A cherubim or shining forth, rising. Brought forth a vine from Egypt, and to it drove nations out. You made room to root in deeply, and it flourished and filled the land. Then its shadow wrapped the mountains, and its boughs hid the cedar to. The sea, it thrusts great branches forth, and the young shoots the mighty stream. Why have you torn? O oh, God of armies, look from heaven—is it this your vine? So uphold what your right-handed plant and the sun you raise up and straight. It is burned and.